Well, praise the Lord. Happy good morning to everybody here. Thank you so very much for uh, allowing my wife and I to, uh, to be in God's house with you this morning. I know that I uh, got to meet uh, some of you last night, and that was a great time. We enjoyed the fellowship, and we enjoyed playing some music there and getting to witness to some people. Uh, I actually got to uh, witness to a man. He was already saved, but, uh, but he, uh, he just didn't have any assurance in his heart, so I was able to go over some assurance verses with him. And then his wife, who was not saved, my wife was able to witness to her, and uh, she didn't want to make any decision right there and there, but, uh, but she had decided to trust Christ as her Savior the moment she gets time alone with God. And so, praise the Lord, uh, our work is definitely not in vain. I know that uh, Pastor Yoder has been telling me about some of the past years that you've done that, and how, uh, how in some of the previous years you got to pass out more tracks. But, uh, but God sees what you're doing. And, uh, and honestly, uh, we've been to a lot of churches, and the fact that your church is making an attempt to get the gospel out into a community at such a time as this, I believe, speak volumes of, uh, of your heart to win loss for, for, for Jesus Christ. And uh, my wife and I are truly humbled uh, to, to get to be with you. Uh, just in case I didn't get to meet you uh, last night, my name is Go, and uh, right there is my wife, Danielle. If you could just stand briefly so you can see who you are. Uh, we are missionaries on our way to Japan. Uh, we believe that God has given us a clear personal call to preach the gospel to the Japanese people, and we're very excited about, uh, what, about what God's going to have us do. Uh, in the morning, I'll be introducing myself again, and in the evening time, I'll be uh, showing the presentation video. But, uh, but this morning, I wanted to go ahead and, uh, and open the Word of God and uh, do some Sunday school. So uh, if you'll go ahead and uh, open up to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1 is where we'll be in our Bibles uh, this morning. Like Pastor Yoder said, uh, where we met was, uh, was over in Goodrich, Michigan, with a church that's been supporting my wife and I for over a year now. Our very good friends over there in, uh, in Goodrich, Michigan. And, uh, and I actually got to hear uh, both Pastor Yoder and his father uh, share their testimonies and teach a lesson right there at like a pastor's luncheon that they had there. And, uh, and I got to meet several pastors there as well. But, uh, but I was truly encouraged by uh, how God has worked in the hearts and the lives of Pastor Yoder as well as his father. And, uh, and that, was a, that was a tremendous time. And it was around that time that we started building contact. And shortly afterwards, he invited us to come over uh, to this church to present our ministry to you all. And uh, we've been looking forward to this day ever since. And, uh, and again, uh, we do also want to thank you for the extra measure of faith that goes into having outside speakers at such a time as this. I understand this is kind of a strange time to have outside speakers in. And I believe it takes a little extra measure of faith to have people in from the outside at a time like this. And I really do thank you for, uh, for still inviting us at such a time. Because you understand, you know, my wife and I, we've traveled the entire nation over the past two plus years, and, uh, and we've been shaking hands with all sorts of people, with all sorts of different backgrounds of hygiene, and, uh, and we've, uh, we've visited so many different places, and still you allowed us to, to, to be here. And, uh, and the fact that you're willing to have missionaries in at a time where our nation is struggling, I believe, speak volumes of, uh, of, you, of, of how important you believe it is. To, uh, to get the gospel to the lost and dying world. And, uh, and my wife and I, we are truly humbled by that. And uh, we once again thank you so very much, and we don't take the uh, opportunity and the privilege lightly. Uh, I want to show you a brief testimony of what God's been doing in our lives over the past uh, two years uh, before I go into the lesson. Uh, it, was, uh, it was about two years ago that, um, that I graduated Bible college. I'm just fresh out of college. Uh, May of 2018 is when I graduated Bible college, and it was 10 days after that that my wife and I got married. 
And, uh, and you know, while we were still, uh, still, still seeing each other in college, both my wife and I, we knew that God was calling us to preach the gospel to the Japanese people. And, uh, and we were excited about that. We were on fire for that uh, ever since then. And so, uh, when we, so two weeks before we got married is when we turned in our two weeks notice of resignation at our places of work. We got married when our honeymoon came back and started full-time deputation, going from church to church to church, raising support. Uh, literally right at, right at the, the, our first meeting, our first church meeting was, that same, was on the same week that we came back from our honeymoon. And we've been on the road full-time since then, and God has blessed tremendously. So we've been on the road for a little over two years now, and, uh, and God has allowed us to reach over 90% of financial support. And, uh, and we were originally supposed to take off to Japan this month. Uh, originally, we had planned a gigantic outreach to the Olympics, trying to reach the many different people groups that would be represented there. But of course, God had other plans, and we, we understand that. We're okay with that. We were able to move that over to 2021, but my wife and I, we were still wanting to go uh, in this month just because right now in Japan, you know, facing the coronavirus as well as the disappointment that comes with the uh, Olympics being postponed for a whole entire year, we believed that that was a great opportunity to get the gospel into the hearts of people that were afraid and tender and, and discouraged. But, uh, but Japan unfortunately extended their travel ban to the end of the month. And so now we are praying that God will allow us to get there by August. But if you will pray with me in that regard, we'd appreciate it greatly. 1 Timothy chapter 1, and uh, I want to start reading from verse 12. Paul right here is sharing his testimony here in 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 12. The Bible says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Twas before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Verse 16, Howbeit, for this cause I obtained mercy. Right here we're about to see Paul's reasoning behind why he believes God chose to lead his life down the path that he did. Why God chose to have mercy on him. Why God deliberately decided to save sinners. Right here, Paul is about to share his thoughts on why he came down and uh, was so merciful to sinners, dying on the cross uh, for sinners. Verse 16, Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy. That I and me first, Jesus Christ, might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Uh, this morning I want to share a thought right there on that, uh, on that verse there where it says, to them which should hereafter believe. To them which should hereafter believe. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll jump right into the lesson. Heavenly Father, we love you. What an amazing God you are. Lord, we thank you so much for all the liberties that you give us in this country. Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us to be in a nation where the gospel can be freely preached, where there are churches in just about every city, and where there are soul winners still knocking on doors, and where there are church services still held all across the nation preaching your word. God, what a privilege that is. Lord, you have blessed our nation since its very birth and since the very beginning. And we're so grateful for all that you have done and all that you continue to do. And God, I pray that you'll uh, encourage our hearts with your word this morning, Father. 
Lord, if there's any in here who has never trusted you as their Savior, I pray that today will be the day that they will uh, come to know you as their Savior and place their full faith and trust in you. And God, I pray that if there's any Christian in here that is discouraged, just with the news around them and the changing world around us, Lord, help us to look back to a God that does not change. It's your holy word that never changes. Lord, in a world full of lies, you are only truth. A world full of discouragement, Lord, you are the encourager. Uh, Lord, uh, in the midst of a world that is constantly changing and falling apart, Lord, you're secure. And we can, we can take security in you. God, I pray that for any Christian in here that, that is discouraged, Lord, I pray that you'll encourage them with the word of God to, uh, to where they're, they're excited to serve you and they're on fire to serving you for many, many days to come. God, I pray that you'll spark a, do a special work that only you can do in our hearts this morning. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. The Paul's conversion was, was an amazing thing to behold for much of the world. You understand, many of us are familiar with what Paul was or who Paul was before he got saved. He was the one who was going around and rounding up Christians and murdering them by the masses. He would torture them and he would imprison them and he would actively search for believers and followers of Jesus Christ and persecute them and try to wipe them off the face of the earth. He, his goal and his agenda, his political agenda and the agenda for his life, and his whole life's purpose, he believed, was persecuting Christians and wiping them off of this age. And so, of course, when Paul got saved, there's a lot of people that didn't even believe that it was true, that didn't even believe that it could even happen. Paul was one of those men that were so feared and that was such an enemy to Christianity that nobody would dare try to witness to him, that nobody would dare try to go to him with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, and sad to say, I believe that many Christians in those days had written Paul off as one of those people that are just completely closed out to the gospel, not even worth attempting to witness to, just leave him alone and, and, uh, and, and, and just leave him be and just try to stay as far away from him as possible. He was somebody who was considered just an enemy of Christianity, somebody that many Christian families feared and even hated uh, because of the things that he was doing. But of course, we all know that Paul ends up getting saved and making a great impact for Jesus Christ. And, but, but because of his past testimony, even, his, even the disciples were hesitant in bringing him in and fellowshipping with him just because of what he used to do and who, what he was known for. And Paul understood that that was the kind of testimony that he had in verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. He's saying that this is, it's true, and it's a faithful saying. It's, it's something that people still say, still understand, and I accept it, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. He understood that he had sinned in the past, and he had done so many terrible things. And then in verse 16, he says, How be it for this cause... I obtained mercy. Paul is saying, God had a reason behind saving me. God had, a, had an even greater reason for reaching me with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says that that reason, that in me first, Christ, Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. The amazing thing is, God has an amazing track record of shedding hope into a situation or a place where all hope seems to be lost. 
God has a track record of shedding hope and giving answers and doing miracles in the midst of a hopeless situation or in a hopeless life. That's exactly who Paul was. People thought he was worthless. People thought he was hopeless. People thought that he would never come to a point where he would be willing to trust Christ as his Savior, let alone go around the world and plant churches and to preach the gospel and bring many lost sinners to the knowledge of the, of the salvation of Jesus Christ. Nobody thought that Paul would be, could be used for anything in regards to eternity. And yet, Paul ends up being one of the main men that preaches the gospel, one of the main missionaries in the New Testament that planted many churches and that impacted so many souls and that really was used to, to accelerate the church age and get the momentum going for the church age, planting churches all around the world, preaching the gospel all around the world. Nobody thought that could happen, and yet God did this. The truth is, this really resonates to me with my own personal testimony. You see, before I was saved, I was an atheist. That is very typical to the Japanese people. My mom's side was, uh, was Buddhist, and my dad's side was agnostic. And inside our home, we never talked about God. It was almost a, a taboo subject in our home, something that we just don't talk about. And, uh, and, and growing up in a home like that, you know, of course, I was born in a Tsugi city, Kanagawa, which is in Japan. It was five years after that that, I, uh, that our family relocated to Waterford, Michigan. That's where I spent most of my life. But even in the midst of, even after moving to the United States, within our walls, within our home, we only did Japanese things. We spoke Japanese, we ate Japanese food, practiced Japanese customs, and, uh, and the idea was my parents wanted to raise my uh, sister and I in Japan, inside our home, and in America, outside our home. And so, uh, so, so basically, inside our home was basically a tiny little Japan in the midst of an all-American community there in Waterford, Michigan. We were probably the only Japanese, I'd even say we were probably the only ethnic, ethnic family in the entire city of Waterford, Michigan. And, uh, and, and so because I grew up in a home like that, obviously the gospel was not preached in our home. And every time a soul winner would come, you know, uh, they would get turned away because my parents did not speak English. And, uh, and we didn't really have a Japanese independent Farmingal Baptist church sending out soul winners there in Waterford, Michigan either. And so every time a soul winner would come, I would miss out on the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It just seemed like there was no hope for me uh, to, to, to hear the gospel and come to the knowledge of the Savior during those years. I went to public school all my life, and many of you who know anything about the public school, unfortunately, the Bible has been kicked out of the public school system many years ago. And so, of course, by the time I went, God was not there. There was no gospel preached, no Bible verses quoted, no prayers prayed, no Bible verses read there in public school. And uh, in there, I didn't have any opportunities to trust Christ as my Savior. Uh, there was no opportunity for me to be able to hear the gospel. But one day when I was 13 years old, a friend of mine came to me with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at the time, my heart was so hardened that I had turned against God completely. Of course, I claim to be an atheist, but the truth about every atheist is that an atheist by default believes that, uh, that you have no creator, and thus you have no purpose in life. There's no actual reason why you were born. There's no reason why you die. And whatever you do, you're not giving an account to anybody. And so whether you do evil or right or wrong, it doesn't matter to anybody. It doesn't matter that you're born. It doesn't matter that you die, and that your life serves no purpose nor value in this world. By default, that's what an atheist believes, by believing that there is no creator. 
by believing that there is no giver of purpose, by believing that there is no, uh, there is no grand designer in this world. So I, as an atheist, I was a very depressed young boy. I, uh, I thought that there was no purpose to my life. I thought that there was no reason why I was living. And, uh, and I thought that there was nobody who, who cared whether I did right or wrong. And as many atheists, I was very depressed and even suicidal at the age of 13. And I was so bitter and I was so confused that during those days in public school, I, would, I was so envious at the Christians who just seemed to have a lot more joy in their hearts than I did, who had a, who had a lot more peace in their hearts. So I made it my purpose, my, my goal in public school to try to go to every one of my Christian friends and try to talk them out of believing. I, uh, I, w- I went to every one of my religious friends and tried to argue them out of their faith. And that's the kind of guy that I was. Nobody would dare witness to me. Nobody would dare come to me with the gospel. Nobody thought that I would turn out to be anything for Christ. And many Christians in that school had written me off as somebody who just cannot be saved, who would never come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as my Savior. But I had a friend who believed what the Bible said about salvation. I had a friend that believed that the blood of Jesus Christ has the power to cleanse all sin. I had a friend that believed that Jesus Christ, he didn't die just for the Christians, but he died for somebody like me. And so he came to me with the gospel. He came to me very persistently. Uh, He would not give up on me. And every time he would come, of course, like I would do with most of my friends, I would just, just try to shove them away. I didn't want to hear it. I was an atheist. I was set in my ways, and I would turn them away every single time. But he was very persistent with me, so about probably the 21st, 22nd, 23rd time, that's when I finally let him share the gospel with me. And, uh, and, and, and it was one of those things where I just wanted to go and get, it, get it over with. I, I wanted him to stop pursuing me with the gospel, so one day I said, if you're being that persistent, then it must be important to you, so I'll let you share with me whatever you tell me, but please don't ever bring it up again. And so that night, my friend share with me the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, please understand, at the time, I had no concept of who God was. I've never heard of Jesus Christ. I I didn't know what the Bible was. Very typical to a Japanese young man. And, uh, And so I really did not have any idea what sin was, who God was, what the cross was. So this friend took some time with me. He went all the way back to Genesis and told me that I was wrong in the fact that my life served no purpose. I was wrong in the fact that my life served no value. No, he showed me from the Bible that God created me in his own image, that there is a creator, and that God loves me, and God created me, and God created man for fellowship, and and God and man, we were never supposed to be apart. And then he showed me from Genesis chapter 3 that, of course, man has sinned, and God is a perfect, holy God that can have no fellowship with sin. And because of that, man and God, our ties were severed. He showed me in in, in Romans chapter 5 how by one man sin entered and uh, and how the reason why I I sinned both by choice and both by accident, uh, whether I'm trying to sin or not, the, the reason that I keep disappointing myself and those around me is because of that sin. And then he showed me uh, from the Bible about a Jesus Christ that came on the earth to bridge that gap once again. He showed me about a Savior, a God that came in the form of man and, uh, and, die, and lived a perfect life, and lived a perfect sinless life, and died on the cross to pay the penalty of my sins that I deserve to pay in hell forever. And then he showed me that 
Jesus Christ, he died and he was buried for three days and then he resurrected. How he was victorious over my sin and how this gift was already available to me that God wants me to be saved. And I'll never forget this. This friend showed me from the Bible that, that, uh, that this gift of salvation, this gift of eternal life, was just as available to an atheist like me as it was to a Christian that grew up in a Christian home like him. And it was that night that I could not turn down that free gift of salvation. I, uh, when he made it available to me, that's the night that I bowed and trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And, uh, and I'll never forget that day. God has done something like that here in our nation as well. You know, if you read in history, the Christians, the many Christians, the many believers of the Bible that were being persecuted in England, that were being persecuted in Europe, having to hide in valleys and uh, in the mountain ranges in the Alps just to hide from all the persecutors. Uh, Christianity seemed to be dying out and the enemy seemed stronger and, uh, and the Christian people as a whole seemed to be in a completely hopeless situation. The Anglican church were persecuting Christians left and right. And the liberty was being taken away from the Christian people, so much so that the Bible was being ripped out of people's hands. People were not, uh, people were being, uh, infants were, were forced to be baptized. Uh, citizens were being forced into the church there in Europe. And Christianity seemed to be in a completely hopeless situation. It seemed to have been completely obliterated and defeated there in Europe. And then, of course, those Christians sought for freedom. Those Christians believed that freedom was more important than anything that they could possibly leave behind in this world. They believed that their children and their grandchildren, their great-great-grandchildren, and their great-great-great-grandchildren, having the liberty to surround God's Word and hear God's Word preached and worship God freely was more important than anything that they could possibly risk. And so those pilgrims came over to the United States to form a land where God can be worshipped freely. The, what we're doing right now, surrounding the Word of God, worshipping God freely, is the whole reason why the settlers came to the United States and formed our nation in the first place. Isn't it amazing that the Bill of Rights was, pe was penned by a Baptist pastor that knew something about freedom? Our Constitution comes straight from the ethics and the morals that come from the Word of God. And praise the Lord, from the very beginning, our nation had the Word of God. And God we trust is printed on every bill that every citizen has here in the United States. And it's an amazing, wonderful nation where we can worship God freely. The other thing that our nation has that many nations don't have is because we have the Word of God, have you noticed that even unsaved people and even lost sinners here in America have somewhat of an understanding of who God is. They are familiar with who Jesus is. And one of the greatest differences between my country, Japan, and, and here in America, is that in America, there's an understanding of forgiveness. See, in Japan, they are uh, they're, they're mostly an atheistic nation. Less than 1% of the people there have even heard of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, 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 and on top of that, uh, the other 99%, they don't belong to any religion, they don't adhere to any god, but many of them are completely atheistic and agnostic. Now, Japan didn't used to be that way. Before World War II, Japan was, uh, most of the Japanese people were either Buddhist or Shinto, 
But one thing that all the Buddhist people and the Shinto people in Japan had in common is that every single Japanese citizens unanimously believed that their emperor was God. This is all before World War II. In fact, the, the, name, the word for emperor in the Japanese language is Ten no Heka, which literally means the crown and the god of heaven. They literally believed that their emperor was the almighty divine god that could give them salvation, that could provide for them, and that could give them victory in every war. Now, of course, after all the sacrifice, and after all the lives lost, and after all the sons that were sacrificed to the cause of suicide missions in America from Japan, after all the hundreds of years of worship, Japan's God was proven to be false right there at the end of World War II. After hundreds of years of lies, Japan had finally found out the sad truth that they were worshiping and sacrificing in vain this entire time. After a whole nation's worth of sacrificing, giving their lives and worshiping and trusting a God that they thought would protect them and give them salvation and give them protection and provide for them, all of a sudden disappeared from, be from before their eyes. And a whole nation's history's worth of vain worship and vain sacrifice was proven to them in but a moment there at the end of World War II. That's when the Japanese people gave up faith and faith itself, and that's when they became mostly agnostic and atheist. People will still claim to be Buddhist. People will still go to their, uh, go to their shrines and still uh, so practice some of the cultural things, but inside their hearts, they don't actually believe. God is not a part of Japan anymore. However, there was a short period of time before Japan turned completely atheist and agnostic that they wanted to know who the real God was. You imagine with me, after a whole histories, after hundreds of years of worshiping sincerely a God that turned out to be fake, they wanted to know who the real God was. They wanted to know who could provide them salvation, who was worthy of their sacrifice, who was worthy of their worship. So at that time, they turned to none other than the United States, the nation that was formed in the Word of God, the nation that had the gospel, the nation that had the answers, that's the reason why we read in history books that General Douglas MacArthur begged for a thousand missionaries to come to Japan right there at the end of World War II. In fact, President Eisenhower even said that if we can send 2,000 missionaries to Japan right now, Japan would become a Christian nation. Now, the sad truth is only a few went. Praise the Lord for the few that went. Those are my heroes that was willing to penetrate Japan at a time where nobody was willing to go. At a time where so many American hearts were bitter against the Japanese people and had written them off as enemies and had written them off as people that would never trust Christ as their Savior. I am so thankful for the few that went. But the sad truth is that the ones that went in the masses, the ones that were able to forgive the Japanese people and, and find grace in their sight, so much so uh, to be able to forgive them for all the crimes that Japan has done against America during the war, Enough to see gain in their land were unfortunately not the gospel-bearing missionaries. In fact, those that came in the masses were the businessmen, the entrepreneurs, the money-makers, the educators, the, the secular psychologists, the, the medical workers. Those are the people that answered Japan's question, who is God? Who is worthy of my sacrifice? Who is worth living for? Who can give me salvation? That was unfortunately the answer that Japan received. 
And because that's the answer that Japan received at that time, what I just mentioned is the current god of Japan. Japan worships success. Japan worships education to the point where failure in any level, in any form, is not accepted in Japan. Uh, a, a young elementary school student going through the Japanese school systems that fails an exam will often be bullied by their teachers and their peers. And when their parents find out that they brought shame and dishonor into their family home, they'll be often excommunicated by their own family for weeks upon weeks upon weeks until that child feels guilt, guilty enough to be able to regain their own honor once again. Same thing happens in every family, in every business, in every school there in Japan. In fact, in our language, in the Japanese language, the beautiful word we have here in the United States, forgiveness. That word that means you're willing to accept the hurt that was done, you're willing to bear the pain, and yet you want to restore the relationship with the other person so much so that you're willing to look past that pain and love them as if that crime was never done. That restoration, that forgiveness, that beautiful word we have in the United States has no literal translation in the Japanese language. We do not have a word for forgiveness there in Japan because it doesn't exist. The 127 million people that live in Japan, many of them have never been forgiven for anything they've ever done in their entire lives. No wonder why they're the seventh suicidal nation, seventh most suicidal nation in the entire world. Now, please understand, the only reason why America understands forgiveness is because we, have, we are a nation that was founded upon the Word of God. And because of that, we have the blessing of restoration. God is a restorer. If you look through all the Bible, all the New Testament, all the Old Testament, it's, a, it's an entire book of God restoring man's fellowship back to him. I mean, you look all throughout the Old Testament, and arguably, the common theme that comes back over and over again is God restoring the children of Israel back to him. Every famine, every trial, every, every heartache that happens in the Old Testament is to bring the children of Israel back to the sight of God so, that God so that they can be in a place where God can bless them once again. And all throughout the New Testament, it's all about propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ, how one can trust Jesus as their Savior so that their relationship can be restored to an almighty God. And even after getting saved, every time we fail, every time we sin, it's a whole book that explains that God is merciful and God is forgiving. And as, as His children, we are already secured in heaven. And not only that, but He is just and willing to forgive us of our sins that we commit as children of God. It is a whole entire book dedicated to this very thought and this very understanding of restoration. The Bible restores and thanks to that, our nation has been blessed with that. Have you ever wondered why so many of the lost secular world, of course, they have so many of the moralities all mixed up and turned around, but for the most part, every single, just about every single lost person here in the United States understands what forgiveness means and understands the concept of giving people a second chance. The only reason why they have that understanding is because our nation was founded upon the Word of God. They got that understanding from all the, dating all the way back to the settlers that came with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When this nation was built upon uh, the idea of giving people the freedom to worship God and to serve God freely with great liberty. The whole reason why our nation was founded in the first place. Yet please understand, 
Japan never had this book. Japan never had the Bible. Our nation was not founded upon this. Japan was never founded upon the Word of God. And because of that, the Japanese people have no understanding of forgiveness. But you understand, can you imagine what happens to somebody that gets saved, that has never been forgiven for their entire lives? Can you imagine what happens to somebody that tastes the eternal forgiveness of, of Christ after a whole entire lifetime of never being forgiven by their parents and constantly guilt-tripped and pressured by the world around them? You know, uh, several months ago, my wife and I had the opportunity of winning eight Japanese exchange students from Japan that didn't know any English, didn't know any concept of God, have never been forgiven, and knew nothing of Jesus Christ. We were able to see eight Japanese people like that come to know Jesus as their Savior. And when they got saved, they unanimously told me, Brother Go, I had never been forgiven before. Nobody's ever forgiven me. My parents have never forgiven me. My nation's never forgiven me. And, I, and, I've, and I've had to work for every single bad thing I've ever done. I've had to carry the burden and the guilt and the pressure of every wrong that I've done in my life. And for the first time, somebody was willing to forgive me. And that person just so happened to be an all, all holy, almighty God. Brother Go, can you show me from the Bible everything the Bible has to say about following Christ? Because I want to do everything I can to please the Savior, the only one who's ever forgiven me. Baptism was not even a question. After they got saved, they wanted to be baptized. They wanted to tell everybody that they knew about the great salvation that took place in their hearts. And, and their only thought was, because God forgave them, because God, uh, God was merciful to them, they wanted to be used of God. They wanted to please God. They wanted to bring honor and glory to Him right away. God did an amazing thing in the hearts of those Japanese exchange students. And that testimony reminds me of what Paul said back here in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. Why does God bring hope into a hopeless soul like that? I mean, what motive, what, 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 what great motive that God had? By the way, God's not obligated to show mercy. You understand, God was never obligated to, to bless our nation with his word. God was never obligated to have that soul winner. By the way, after, after time and time again turning away the gospel of Jesus Christ, God was not obligated to move in that heart of my friend to keep coming to me with the gospel. For that, I mean, after rejecting him for the 20th, 21st, 22nd time, God wasn't obligated to give me a 23rd chance to trust him as my savior. God's not obligated to do any of those things. And so why would an almighty, holy God the all-wise, all-powerful God, why would he deliberately choose to bless and to shed grace on a place or a person or a nation that seems utterly hopeless? 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16 holds the answer to that question, I believe. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. I don't believe that it is any coincidence that the nation that God chose to bless, America, the nation that was founded upon the Word of God, just so happens to be the very nation sending out many missionaries all around the world. God was merciful to America so that America can then send missionaries to other parts of the world so that other people will be saved. To them which should hereafter believe. And looking back at my life, now I am thoroughly convinced that God saved me specifically so that I can go back to my own people in Japan. 
to them which should hereafter believe in that nation. By the way, America is not dead until soul winners stop knocking on doors. America's purpose is not dead until churches stop propagating the gospel. Until we Christians stop knocking on doors and stop telling people the gospel of Jesus Christ. May I challenge you, our answer is not in politics. Our, 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 our answer is not in Washington, D.C. Our, our, our answer is not in all the protesting or the Facebook posts or the, or, the, or the mass text messages. That's not where the answer is. No, what makes America great are soul winners. The freedom to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And true freedom comes from trusting our Savior. Let's keep this nation great. To them which should hereafter believe. Pastor? Pastor?